You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, men, I want to celebrate you today on Father's Day. And one of the things that I sensed as we were approaching Father's Day this year is how there are forces at work in this world to discourage men from being the kinds of fathers that God's Word challenges us to be. And one of the reasons for that is I believe that these forces are discouraging men all over the place. And I want this place to be a place where men are encouraged to step up to their identity in Christ and to step up to the challenge that God's Word gives us as men and as fathers. And so I, like, I want you guys to help me do that today. If you are a woman sitting next to your husband who's a father, or if you're a kid uh, of any age, a kid of any age sitting near yeah, your, your dad, uh, I want you to turn to that man in your life and I want you to tell them these words, okay? Here are the words. I honor you today, and you're a boss, okay? Go ahead and tell them. Good, good. And would you guys mind if I just prayed over our dads real quick? Let's bow for prayer. Lord, I thank you for the men in these rooms And in Jesus' name, I want to pray you protect them, heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. I pray you would encourage them today. And I know that the forces that seek to knock them down are at work. And I pray that these men be protected from those forces because we know that what you've given them to do is so significant and important. And so we thank you for these men and pray that they would be encouraged today. And we pray it in the powerful name of Jesus and for his sake, everyone said, amen. Well, in recent days, we've been in this series where we've been going through the New Testament letter of Galatians from Paul to a group of young believers uh, in Asia Minor in a city called Galatia. And uh, today we're going to continue with that study and talking about the Holy Spirit and walking in the Holy Spirit. But um, sometimes I don't feel like I'm doing very well at walking in the Holy Spirit. Um, In fact, I was thinking about just recently when I went up on the roof over at the Cameo with an insurance adjuster because there'd been a storm and we felt like we'd had some hail damage up there and we wanted to get some repairs done. And so we call our insurance and the adjuster comes up there and the guy's acting like he's not going to pay the claim, right? And so I get a little heated about this. I'm a little bit upset. And I'm just like, I tell the guy, like, I'm tired of insurance adjusters blowing smoke up, you know, a certain part of me that I'm not going to say out loud. And I said some words and I used some language towards this insurance adjuster um, that, that I'm not real proud of. And I was kind of angry. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm sizing him up. I'm thinking, I can take this guy. I really can. And if it goes, if, if it goes south, I'm going to throw this dude off the roof. I mean, I'm really not happy right now um, that we're not getting our claim paid. So anyways, then here's the bad part of the story is that the Holy Spirit started jacking with me. You know when the Holy Spirit jacks with you? When you feel conviction, not guilt. There's a big difference between guilt because the Holy Spirit doesn't bring guilt on us. But what he does is he convicts us. And he started convicting me, you know, Doug, that's not the way that, you know, we, we want to speak to people. And then it got really bad. The spirit was prompting me to go apologize to this insurance adjuster. So I go 
tell him, hey, look, sir, I'm sorry, I got a little heated there, and I was wrong for speaking to you that way. I don't want to talk to you that way, and I'm sorry. And I just talked to him for a little bit and listened to him as he vented to me about all the many different claims that he's having to go look at all over the country, and he's stressed out and all of that. And we had a pretty good conversation from there, and things were good. Now, I'm still going to pursue the claim because you guys know me and you know how cheap I am, but I'm going to keep after that. But you know, there was no reason for me to use some of the language and speak to this guy the way that I did just in my anger, you know? And sometimes I think to myself, man, what, I should be beyond that by now. I should be better than that. And do you have that certain thing in your life? For me, sometimes it's the things I say, but do you have that thing in your life that y- you wish you just wouldn't do that? anymore. I mean, I could go down the usual list of addictive behaviors, you know, like alcoholism, codependence, porn, drug addiction, spendaholism, and on and on and on. But do you ever have that internal battle uh, where you're saying, man, why is it that I do the stuff that I don't want to do and I don't do the stuff that I want to do? And, you know, I became a Christian. I thought when I became a Christian, I was going to be this whole different person, you know, like Shazam, I'm changed, you know? And I've heard these Christian people speak these Bible verses, you know, like if any person's in Christ, it's like you're a new creation, old things have passed away and all things have become new. But how come, if that's true of me, how come I, I screw up all the time, you know? And after what I've done, could I even be a Christian? Is that, is that just me or is that uh, going through anyone else's mind uh, as you deal with this? Well, I think this letter of Galatians is going to have some encouragement for us today in this uh, mental and spiritual battle. So I want to take you um, to the text here in Galatians chapter 5, look at verses 16 through 18. Focus in on this with me if you would. Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So uh, you are not free to carry out your good intentions, but when you are directed by the spirit, you're not under obligation to what? The law. Of Moses. Remember, we've said in recent weeks that the law doesn't mean like just the laws of the land, but it's the first five books of the Bible. You know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, those books, and all those uh, rules and stuff. And so, when we want to change, when we want to become the new creations in Christ that we know that we are, the Bible tells us we are. Here's what we have to do: we have to move. We have to make a mental shift, and the mental shift is this: we have to move from law to spirit freedom. Did you catch that? Please remember this. If you, if you forget everything else I say today, we've got to make a mental shift from law to what? Spirit freedom. Now, let me show you this little chart that shows us a bit of the difference between law and spirit freedom. If you live under the law, you're all about the rules. If you transition to spirit freedom, you're about relationship with God, not just rule following. Then if you're under the law, uh, you obey God because you must, you ought to. When you move to spirit freedom, it's I want to, I 
get to walk with God and obey him. You go under the law, you obey to achieve or earn intimacy and relationship with God. When you move to spirit freedom, you experience intimacy with God, and then you're motivated to want to obey him and walk with him. If you're under the law, you're concerned with just your habits. When you transition to spirit freedom, you're concerned with your heart and what's going on on the inside. It's not just what you do on the outside. And then when you're under the law, everything is like just out of duty. But then under spirit freedom, it's like a delight. See, worship and obeying God is a delight to do. It's not just these laws or these uh, obligations there, right? So I think about this in light of um, my relationship to my wife. Um, By the way, wives, how many of you want a husband that says, well, it's my duty to come home to you and spend time with you tonight? Do you want something more than that? Um, I remember I had this job years ago that I really loved, and my wife knew that I loved the job so much that I loved, and I'm just being straightforward here, I loved going to the job more than I liked going home, and I spent so much time at the job, and then I lost that job, and I ended up in another job where I had to travel all the time, and I was gone more with the travel job. But my wife didn't mind that I had the travel job, even though I was gone more. And I talked to her about that one day. I said, well, you know, honey, um, you don't seem to mind that I had this new job. And you know what she said? She said, because I know that even when you're gone, your heart's at home and you want to be home. You see what she's getting at there? And that's the way God feels about you and I. He doesn't just want our outer actions, but he wants our hearts He wants our hearts to be uh, in love with him. Have you ever heard a woman say about some guy that she's dating, like, uh, I love him, but I'm not in love with him. So she's putting him in the friend zone, you know? Um, But here's the difference is when you go from law, like maybe you love him, but when you get under spirit freedom, it's like you're in love with God. And the metaphor of the Bible is like these newlyweds, like we're called the bride of Christ, the people that know him. And we're like those newlyweds that just can't stay away from each other. They're just hanging all over each other, lavish in their expression of love. This is what the Father wants from us. And this is life in spirit freedom. Now, here's what you got to understand is when law gets introduced into the equation, when someone introduces like this set of rules, you know what it does? It arouses something. It arouses our old sinful nature. And that's exactly what was happening in Galatia is these really religious guys, they came in with a set of rules that they wanted to post and they aroused something in the Galatians. So we're gonna see that, uh, what happens when the old sinful nature comes into play um, in Galatians chapter five, verses 19 through 21. Look at it with me on screen. Paul says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what you got to understand here is that this text was written to Christian people who were giving in to the old nature because uh, their old nature had been aroused by 
the law. Now, when it says here that uh, the people who do these things in the list will not inherit the kingdom of God, we tend to think that means that people who do all that stuff uh, don't get to go to the kingdom of heaven or don't get to go to heaven. That's not actually what it's saying. What it's saying there is that you're losing a reward in heaven in the future, and you're losing the ability to experience your inheritance of the kingdom here uh, on this earth in this life. And what happens here, what we're seeing here in the text is that um, the law arouses us. It's like you ever see a rule, and what goes through your mind when you see the rule? You're thinking about, wow, how can I like get around it? How can I break it? You know, is it just me or I can see some of you, I know you, I talked to you in counseling, so I know you're very naughty, okay? So here's, here's uh, an example of this. One time I was in this, I guess, museum in Israel. Um, I was so excited to go to this place because it's at Qumran where the, it's like this cave, the shepherd boy found these old scrolls and what they were were these ancient uh, Bible documents, like, like these scrolls that were, were really, really old. And this one was like the Isaiah scroll. And it's kind of pastor geeking out on this thing. And I'm looking at it and I just love it. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking how significant these documents are because some of these documents have been used in the translation of our Bibles today because of these uh, archaeological finds there. And so I'm looking at the scroll and there's a sign near the scroll. And you know what it says? Don't take pictures. Well, what does that make me want to do? I mean, I love the, the, the scroll, and I see the sign that says, don't take pictures, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, what can I do? So you know how you do, you kind of get your phone out of your, and I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking, I got my phone out, you know, and then I kind of do this, you know, how you kind of put it underneath your arm, and you know, like that, and here's the result of what happened there, the, the, the next picture is the scroll, you can see the Isaiah scroll there, I took a picture, and there it is, it's evidence in case they want to come over here and get me. And I was walking around the museum the rest of the day, and I'm thinking, Jeannie, I think I see security. I, th I think they're on to me. I felt guilty uh, the rest of the day. Well, you know, uh, I pass these things on to my kids too because they see a rule or a law, and you know what it does. It, it awakens, it arouses um, the flesh. And so my daughter came down here to Sunset Station one day and she was looking at some of the audio equipment here, and it had a little sign on it. Um, and then after church that day, my wife found a little picture on her phone, and I'll show you that picture of what it was. It says, don't touch, and my daughter takes the picture uh, touching the, the, the little thing. So we, we know that what happens is what's described in Romans chapter 7, verses 5 and 6. It's the, the effect of the law. Look at it. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, which were what? Aroused by the law, uh, were at work in our members to bear fruit to death, see? So this is the danger of living under law because it arouses something negative within us. Now, if your focus is on the law or rules, you'll be aroused by the law. And a lot of Christian people live their whole lives under law. That is, um, they look into the Bible for all the behaviors that they're not supposed to do, for all the don'ts in the Bible, and they create this list of rules and uh, laws. And you know what we call people who live by rules or nitpicky rules? We call them legalists or legalistic Legalists. Um, now, can non-Christian people be legalist or legalistic? Yes, they can. 
Can liberal people be legalists? You bet they can. If you don't get on board with their liberal agenda, then you're out. Can conservative people be legalists? Oh, yes, they can. You don't get on board with their, uh, you know, legalistic rules of being conservative, you're out. In fact, uh, every, uh, by the way, is God calling? What's going on here, okay? Um, But there's no law against that. Just answer the phone, put it on. Uh, So anyways, uh, where was I? Law-focused legalists exist in every facet of our uh, society. And so look at another chart here when we compare law to spirit freedom. It looks like this. If you're under the law, it's about how you act. When you're under spirit freedom, it's about relationship with God. When you're under law, it's about the outer appearance. When you're under spirit freedom, it's about internal heart changings. Um, when you're under the law, it's, uh, it's conditional acceptance based on your performance. When you're under spirit freedom, God sees you as uh, unconditionally loved and accepted, and it's all based on relationship. Are you getting the difference here? It's the difference between the outside and the heart. And the law-based religious types, they always have like a pet rule. Have you noticed this? That people are, always create one rule that you just can't break that's a part of their system. And in Galatia, you know what the rule was? It was circumcision. So these, they're called Judaizers because they were forcing some of the Jewish laws. And they said, all the adult men in the Galatian church have to get circumcised. Well, men, you can imagine, I see some of the men grimacing. They're like, dude, if I got to go, if I got to be like circumcised as an adult man in a church, I'm not going to that church. I'm going to a different church because that could be a painful deal, right? And you know, Paul got so angry at these legalistic Judaizing guys who were trying to require circumcision. Look what he says to them. Okay, this is like really in the Bible right here. Check it out. Galatians chapter five, verse 12. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You know what he's saying there? Some of you are like, dang, man, I didn't know that was in there. Uh, uh, Some of you who think that the Bible is boring, um, you've never read the Bible because there's stuff like this in here. So Paul is saying, hey, you want to cut something on the men in our church? I'll let you cut. I've got something you can cut. You go cut yourself all the way, okay? Uh, This is Paul. And here's what happens is some of you are actually offended that I would actually say that. Look, I'm I'm just the messenger here, just reading the Bible here. But you know, if you were offended by that, there's a possibility that you might have a little bit of the lingering effects of a law-based legalistic religion in your life. Now, what I want to show you next is how spirit freedom is described. Look at the next uh, set of verses, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. So when we start to walk with the Spirit day by day, step by step, moment by moment, God, how can I just love you? I just want to love you today. I want to be in relationship with you today. I want to walk with you. Each decision I make, each thought I have, here's what the fruit is there. You experience this peace, this love, this joy uh, in your life, like self-control. You, you become a more gentle person in the right kinds of ways there. Now, what you got to understand is, is that the fruit of the Spirit 
is not the same thing as gifts of the Spirit. There are a lot of people that have these great gifts of the Spirit from God, uh, but are not walking with God and experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. So if you went back to the Old Testament of the Bible, you would see a guy named Saul who had all these gifts and everything. He's very talented and gifted, but he didn't have the fruit of the Spirit operating in his life. So he was very jealous and uh, was murderous and uh, all of that. You also got to understand that the fruit of the Spirit is not just having a nice personality or good soft skills or uh, uh, emotional maturity. There are some people that are just born nice. Have you ever met that person? They're just, the, the baby comes out smiling and is nice for the rest of life. And that's not what I'm talking about here. That, that's just your wiring. That's like your Myers-Briggs-ness, you know, the way you're, you're, you're wired. But um, here's what the the spirit is, it's like some of us have been very cantankerous people, but when we walk with God day by day, step by step, moment by moment, just loving God, it changes us and transforms us from what we were to this person that's experiencing peace. And all of a sudden, the fruit of the spirit comes out. Now, one of the things I want you to notice about the language here is that Paul uses this fruit metaphor. We experience the fruit of the spirit. This is how spirit freedom happens. It's gradual. It's like botanical growth here. So when you look throughout the Bible, you always see uh, plants talked about. It's like in Psalm 1, the Bible tells us, the psalmist says, you're like a tree planted by streams of water. Have you ever watched a tree grow? It takes time, see? Jesus says, that we're like these branches connected to a vine. See, it's botanical growth, and it happens very slowly and gradual. It's like I walked out into my backyard this past week, and I saw this little green ball in the tree, in my citrus tree. And I know that in a couple of months, it's going to turn orange. And then eventually, in a few months, I'm going to be able to pick it off the tree and eat it. But it happens gradually. It's like when your kids, uh, you know, you go on a trip with your teenagers and all the relatives, all they want to talk about is, oh, how your kids have what? Grown. See? You don't notice it because you're around them all the time, but the relatives who don't see them, and then all, after they've seen them after a, few, uh, you know, a year or uh, several months, they can't help but notice how they've grown. And I hope that'll be an encouragement to some of you today because what some of you feel like is, man, I just don't feel like I'm growing. I don't see any difference in my life. But it happens day by day, step by step, moment by moment. In fact, if you look at the lesson of the acorn, What's more powerful, a slab of concrete or an acorn? Well, every single time, the acorn will win, won't it? I brought a picture today of a, a little acorn that had fallen underneath a sidewalk. And what happens is, over time, that will grow and become a tree, and it will split the concrete. And some of you have behaviors in your life that you don't like. You may have some addiction in your life, and I want to encourage you to keep going. When you fall down, part of uh, experiencing uh, spirit freedom is when you screw up, you fall down, you sin, you disappoint yourself, you know you disappointed God, you get back up. And you say, you know what, God, I know you love me. I'm not going to go back under the law where I punish myself and beat myself down for the thing that I did wrong, but I'm going to get back up. And today, I'm just going to love you the best I know how. I'm going to keep uh, day by day, step by step, moment by moment. And as you do that, after some years go by, people who know you are going to say, look, wow, you've grown. 
You've grown spiritually. Look how far you've come since you started following Christ and walked uh, in his ways. And wouldn't it be great if we as a church group became this group of people that are just so filled with the Spirit that when people walk in here, that it's like their shoulders just relax. They don't experience this group of rules and laws and a bunch of uptight religious people, but they experienced a group of people that are experiencing love, joy, peace uh, in our lives. It would change people. Now, here's what happens with Christian people is we get like these spiritual disciplines that we learn, like uh, Bible reading, prayer, our Christian service and stuff like that, the way we serve people. And what we do is when we, we practice these disciplines, we go right back under the law a lot of times. And I want to look at each one of those. Look at serving um, Christian service. Are you serving under the law or are you serving um, in the freedom of the Spirit? See, a lot of religious activity and serving is really what I would call pouring out an empty glass because there are people that are not experiencing uh, the filling of the Spirit in their lives. It's like you're trying to pour out, uh, but it doesn't bring life at all. The way God intended for us to be is be like a full glass that's so full that when we pour out, it's not burdensome. And you know, the way I experience this is that um, as a pastor, I oftentimes have people have all kinds of ideas for me about how I should be serving God and how the church should be serving God. Can you imagine? People call me all the time. It's like, you should be doing this, Doug, and your church should be doing this. And there's so many good things out there to do. How can you argue with it? Like, they're asking me to do a good thing. And you know, because if you mix in my recovery in there, I'm kind of a people pleaser. And so the way I used to live, I used to live like a spiritual pinball. I just bounce around to everything that everybody expected me to do, all the good things that people wanted me to do, and it just sucked the life out of me. You think that's what God intends for our lives? And you know what? I got free. And here's how I did it. I learned this magical word. It's just two letters, no. Okay, no, you want me to do that good thing? Well, maybe the reason that that's so heavy on your heart is because God's calling you to do it. So why don't you go do it rather than expecting me to do everything that you ought to be doing in the first place, right? And so what I'm trying to do now is I just walk with God day by day, step by step, moment by moment. Man, I love you, God. And I see something out there that breaks your heart. Man, I want to be a part of the solution. And he fills me up where I had the energy to do it. See, that's the freedom of the spirit. It's not you ought to, you ought to, you ought to, and you suck if you don't do this. It's no, man, I'm just so overflowing with the uh, spirit of God in my life right now that it's a joy, it's a delight to be able to serve in this way. See, the law says doing, spirit freedom says I'm just being. Isn't it much easier to just be who you are, be who you are as the Spirit of God fills you. And then under the law, it's all about performance. But spiritual uh, freedom is not performance. It's a person. It's Jesus. I see you in that. And I want to go towards you because I'm in love with you. That's freedom in the Spirit. Uh, now, let's talk about prayer. Because oftentimes, when you have you ever felt guilted into praying? And stuff. You, you, you feel like you have to pray a certain way. And I read this book where a guy talks about a little girl and her parents like pressured her into praying and they taught her to pray. And then it was bedtime prayer time. And the little girl was so stressed out about praying. She wanted to get it just right. And she uh, said, God is great. God is good. 
God, we thank you for our food. You know, she was just so nervous. That's, like, that's her bedtime prayer, and she accidentally prayed for the food. And that's what a lot of people do is, you ever heard that person at a meal that they pray the same prayer every time, you know? They say, God, bless this food for our bodies, and our bodies for the nourishment of our bodies. And, you know, they just pray this stuff, you know, all the time. It's like a, it's like a habit. It's like, it's a formula. It's like a script or something. It's not a conversation in a relationship. It's a routine and repetition. And we're supposed to be relationship um, minded in our conversations with God. And so it's like when a real religious person comes to me and they say they want to pray for me, they may say something like this. Well, Doug, in my intense intercession to the triune God, I was burdened for you. So I prayed for the sevenfold spirit of glossolalia to manifest in your totally depraved life in order that you would experience the transubstantiation through the Eucharist. What? Dude, what did you just say? But then I had this friend. He'll say he's praying for me, and here's how he says it. He's like, Doug, I was walking with my dad yesterday, and you came up in our conversations, and he just wanted you to know that he digs you. See, which one has the relationship and spirit freedom? See, I think it's obvious. It's like you came up in my conversations with my dad yesterday, and he says he digs you. So let's look at Bible reading. Are you reading your Bible under the law or in spirit freedom? Now, I read my Bible on my phone, and I have that version phone app. Anybody have that one? And when I do the reading plan, the reading plan has these little deals that you can check. You know, you can check it off when you've done the reading. And you know what I did? I caught myself the other day. I was doing my reading plan, and I was more concerned about tapping the little check boxes so I could check it off my list more than I was concerned about connecting with God through the scriptures. Was I reading my Bible under the law or spirit freedom? You tell me. Yeah, the law. Isn't it so easy? I know better than that. See, the Bible is a love letter. And we should want to read the Bible, but it's not a duty. It's a delight to do. And so the guys that got the Bible, that, you know, they knew more about the Bible than anyone. They could out-argue anyone. It was the Pharisees. And they memorized the whole thing. And they even knew the many different interpretations of all the passages. They knew the Bible like nobody's business. But look at what Jesus says to them. John 5, 39. He says, you guys search the scriptures for in them. You think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of who? Me. But you are not willing to come to who? Me. That you may have life. There was no life in their Bible study. Jesus says, no, the Bible is not just about learning the Bible. The Bible is about connecting in love with me, he says. So, um, the other day, I was rooting through some drawers at home. My drawers, not, you know, anybody else's drawers, but my own. I just thought I'd clarify that. <laughs> and I just had an idea. Anyways, uh, I was looking through my drawers, and I found, I found these reminders of just how thoughtful my wife is, because I found these little notes that I saved that she wrote to me when I used to have to travel all the time. And I found this first one, and it's like a little hug note, right? And so what would happen is, is I would get to some city, and I would get to the hotel room, and I would open my, my suitcase, and I would find this little note, 
in there. And I know it might be a little corny to someone, but I'd open up and I find a little note there and it has the little hug thing there. And that kind of makes me feel warm on the inside. I like that. You know, I like when my lady, you know, puts that little note in my suitcase there. It feels kind of good. And now let me show you the next one I found in my drawer when I was rooting around there. Uh, a little uh, queen of hearts. And it says bunny there. You know, that's kind of our thing. I, I'm, you, that's none of your business. So just stay on out of that. But, um, <laughs> But that's, she just writes that on there. When I saw that, I saw that little queen of hearts. You know, I saw that little bunny red. It's just like, I'm thinking rare, you know, that's pretty good. I like that, that uh, queen of, of hearts there. So when I get home from the trip, what do you think I'm going to, who do you think I want to spend time with? I mean, what do you think I want to do? So here's the way people treat their Bible. It's like I'm getting home for the trip and I want to take the, the love note there and I just want to parse all the words and look up the meaning of the words while I avoid my wife. I don't want to spend time with her. I just want to sit there and look at the words on the note and look them up in the dictionary and learn what they mean and learn the historic background of the words and all this kind of stuff. And that's the way people read their Bibles a lot of times, isn't it? It's like they're not looking to the one who sent the note to express his love. Look, when I would come home from those business meetings, I just wanted to spend time with my wife. I wanted to talk to her. I wanted to hug her. I wanted to kiss her. I wanted to be with the one who sent the note. And look, this is a love note from God to people. And he doesn't want to be avoided. He doesn't want you to uh, set him in another room and just go and look up all the Greek and Hebrew words and study the history of it and all that. That's all fine and good. Um, but the purpose for that is to express love in relationship, isn't it? This is what spirit freedom is all about, day by day, step by step, moment by moment. God, I love you. I just love you. I want to do what would be the most loving thing towards you so that I can experience more and more and more of you. And look, here's what some of you have to understand who maybe ended up here by the strangest of circumstances is that our dad brought you here today because he wants you to know he digs you. How about we bow for prayer? And as we bow before him, we could just talk to him like in relationship with someone that's very loving who sent you a whole book full of love notes. And if you've never known him, maybe you'd wanna say something like this to him just in your own heart, not out loud, but just say, God, look, I know I've screwed some stuff up before and I've sinned, but the best I understand it and the best I know how right now, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. And God, I welcome you into my life to have love relationship with you. Thank you for coming in. As we continue in prayer, perhaps there are some of us who have been Christ followers for a long time, and we've known the Father, we've known the good Father, but we want to make a move, a transition from law to spirit freedom. And maybe you'd want to express something like this to the Father. Just say, hey, look, Dad, I don't want to be under law. I want to be under spirit freedom, walking in love relationship and honor to you. That's what I want. I want to pour out from a full glass filled with the spirit. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to fill me now. And I choose to grow like the acorn 
day by day, step by step, moment by moment with you. Knowing that when I fall down, I'm so, so loved by my dad. Thank you for being that perfect dad. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.